Mic check, mic check. Where the fuck is my check? You're now tuned in to do rags and boat shoes. Yeah, let me turn this down a little bit. Here we go. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's your boy A Double, and I just want to welcome y'all to another episode of uh, Do Rags and Boat Shoes. And I just want to thank everybody for listening. And I got some good news for y'all. Um, if you're not following me on IG, or you're not friends with me on Facebook, or follow me on Twitter, um, you can follow me at Omaha Hostage. That's not Omaha Whole Stage. Uh, Omaha Hostage. All right. Um, but in case you don't follow me, like I said before, um, we made it. Yeah, we up there on um, iTunes now. So your iDevices, you know, your um, your iMacs, your iPads, your iPhones, your iPods, uh, your MacBooks. You can go ahead and uh, subscribe to Do Rags and Boat Shoes. Because all you got to just search, just Do Rags and Boat Shoes. D-U-R-A-G-S and Boat Shoes. So you should know how to spell and and Boat Shoes, all right? So... Um, we're going to go ahead and get started. Um, first thing that I really want to talk about is uh, as far as that Summer Jam screen, I want to put Bernie Sanders up there, but I'm going to go kind of in depth on that um, a little bit later. So the first thing I'm going to do is just uh, get the bullshit uh, up off of uh, the uh, Summer Jam screen. The first thing that I'm putting up there is going to be that whole, um, what is it, Don't Judge Me Challenge. I don't know where the hell this came from, but I'm just seeing it everywhere. Um, I thought the Beyonce always on beat, you know, uh, low movement was taking over the internets. But uh, yeah, the Don't Judge Me Challenge just kind of came out of nowhere. And basically what it is, is um, somebody would be recording themselves as a, uh, I guess, like a selfie or something. I don't know if you call recording yourself on video a selfie, but... It starts off like that and they'll, you know, draw on some goofy shit on their face and put like little dots of lotion on their face. And then, you know, they'll put their hand up to their uh, phone or GoPro, whatever they're using to record themselves and then remove their hand and then it'll show their real self. Um, it just seems like it's feeding the ego, which I really don't understand if it's called the don't judge me challenge. Like, um... Is it trying to show like the 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 goose and the swan type thing or, you know, the ugly duckling or I don't know. Is it just trying to say that like you can't judge me off of looks because I'm really pretty on the inside or I can, you know, doll up and be beautiful or, you know, clean up and get handsome. I really don't know um, what the hell that's talking about. And uh, is there something about the the proceeds is it going towards a uh you know something with like deformed people or you know facially challenged people you know are there some proceeds going on or is this just to feed the ego because i'm thinking it's just to feed the ego and some of this shit is just goofy as hell um i i mean it's all for likes and retweets um we gotta just stop feeding the ego um it just makes your head big 
and then you know you get humbled and you know then you feel like your world is crumbled so uh, keep your egos under control um so i mean you can go ahead and do it all fun and games but just don't let this type of bullshit get to your head because like i said the the universe god um whatever you want to call it you know karma it just has its way of working around and humbling you you know um so keep your ego in check you know if you got something to brag about you can but if you ain't working towards nothing and uh you think you just got decent looks or something like that uh, you'll get humbled quick so you never know you know you could do that uh whole don't judge me challenge and you know start shitting on other people for doing it next thing you know you out the club and you catch a buck 50 to the face you know so uh if you don't know what a buck 50 is that means just getting cut all right um yeah so that just some weird shit i don't know maybe you guys can educate me about the don't judge me challenge uh maybe i'm just you know being the old man shaking his fist at the young kids you know out in his yard but uh I don't know. Control your egos. So that's pretty much all I got to say about that. And then we had another um, hashtag that was going around. I don't know how this started, but I, I know how it started. I don't know when it started, though. It was uh, called uh, the hashtag was white girls do it better. And uh, it was blowing up all over the Twitterverse. It hasn't reached Facebook just yet. It probably will. But uh, yeah, it was just... Um, I guess uh, white women or white girls, I should say, it ain't really women, but it could be a few women. Um, we're feeling left out, you know, all the talk about Black Lives Matter and black girls rock. So um, they got tired of hearing about us colored folks and they decided to uh, create their own, you know, their hashtag and say what they're they're good at and what they can do better than uh, women of color. That's pretty much all the hashtag ensued. Uh, or uh, pertain to I'm sorry But um, You know so black twitter got a hold of that And uh, they pretty much Just destroyed That hashtag It it was it was wow So I just I, I don't know I mean it's one of those things where Some of those jokes were funny uh, Some of them was just downright cruel on both sides um, But You know uh, we're living in a very Um volatile time um i don't even know if that's the word you want to use but you know there's so many uh race issues that's bringing that's being brought to the forefront and you know people want to you know uh play games and bullshit online um but uh yeah so black twitter got a hold of the hashtag and they just pretty much decimated it and just turned it into a, a slander fest because i mean it started off as a slander fest anyway but you know they cleaned up them bones off the table and flipped the table over um so if you guys want to you know check out you know what's on there um just search that hashtag white girls do it better um you'll see a lot of you know white girls twerking off beat or you'll see a bunch of clips from their original bring it on movie um but i mean it was some good jokes in there but still search the hashtag you know if you want to good chuckle but i think the whole thing is you know white women were feeling left out you know they're the majority in the minority group as i like to say um so i guess they were just feeling some type of way and they wanted to create a movement of their own but it kind of backfired and blew up in their face and then on the flip end when black twitter got a hold of it you know they created you know black girls do it better and it was just going back and forth 
but you know what I'm all for is justice and equality for all. I don't care if it's separate but equal or inclusive and equal. You know, I'm just here for justice and equality for everybody. So let's sit the bullshit aside and, you know, let's start keep attacking this beast. I mean, it was... It was just some bullshit just to get a sidetrack from the mission of, you know, uh, tackling institutionalized racism, you know. So that's the whole goal. And then speaking on that, I'm going to just move forward from that little silly, goofy shit. Uh, I just wanted to shout out Serena, you know, for uh, capturing that Wimbledon title. So just shout out to her. Um, just dope seeing her just dominating her field. Um, I don't think we give her enough credit because every time you see her, you know, doing something, every time you see her, she's always winning. So you just get kind of numb to it. But she really should be in talks to be, you know, one of the greatest athletes of our time, you know, of this of this, you know, could be century, you know, just how she dominates. And um, yeah, so just shout out to her. Uh, shout out to the excuse me shout out to the people who were just you know hating on her saying it's because of her physique um her built like a man but i've never seen a man built like that with with them curves but you know people gonna make uh excuses uh for hard work um and for her dominating in a you know a field of you know that's still the majority of it is white you know so she's doing her thing so congratulations to her for uh for cruising you know to the uh, finals and you know dominating and winning and uh she completed her uh, serena slam you know uh just knocking out these majors left and right so shout out to her and uh like i said before shout out to the haters and shout out to her supporters and uh i think we really need to you know start putting her up in that class when you start talking about great athletes you know when you talk about uh, baseball, you know, they talk about, you know, like Babe Ruth, Derek Jeter. We talk about football, you know, you bring up, uh, you know, Joe Montana, um, you know, you can bring up uh, Chris Carter, um, you know, you bring up Peyton Manning, uh, if you want to be recent, and Tom Brady. And then you go to basketball, you know, you're talking about MJ, Magic, Bird, and then, uh, <clears throat> you know, golf. Um, you used to could put Tiger in there. You still can put Tiger in there, but you know he kind of fell off after, you know that whole that shit hit the fan when the, you know uh, it was he was you know got caught cheating. So that just shows how mentally tough that you have to be when you're playing golf. Um, but yeah, and then moving on to tennis, you got to put Serena right there. You know you can't really say that she's the Michael Jordan of tennis. She's just the Serena Williams of tennis. You know you have to start using her as that you know descriptive word to uh define greatness in tennis so like i said shout out to her and uh congratulations and just keep doing your thing baby girl so um hope everybody had a great fourth um you know i kind of took that week off you know just doing a lot a lot of working and just kind of wanted to cool out uh i had the opportunity uh headed up to sioux city with my lady and uh you know to hang out with her family and uh we all went to uh this thing that they have up there called saturday in the park and it's pretty much uh kind of similar to what happens at uh memorial park here um when you know they bring on a big act and it's free and everybody kind of you know lay out their spots and watch some fireworks and things like that but up there you know um they actually had this past uh fourth of july they had aretha franklin and that was just amazing like just to see 
somebody you know the first woman to be inducted into the rock and roll hall of fame uh the queen of soul you know to see her live that was just that was just something that you can't really describe i thought like seeing you know when i saw Nas in concert i thought that was it i was like can't nothing top this you know i seen one of the best mcs to do it but to see her in concert and just the history and what she's done in music it was it was a beautiful thing and to be at that park and with everything going on in the world you know black folks fighting for their rights you know um dealing with you know racism sexism classism all this and then to look out into this crowd and you see just all these different colors of people you know united with her music just dancing not worried about a damn thing you know just eating drinking dancing having just a good ass time to her music and then you just stop and realize like yo the world is such a beautiful place you know when we're all together and enjoying each other's company and uh i don't know it was just a real beautiful thing um and then just just to see a legend like that you know she got healthy she was up there hitting her chicago two-step up there you know she had them shoulders going she came out you know in the in the good old what i uh with my boy uh dollar like to say uh uh, gowns beautiful gowns you know she came out in a beautiful you know gown sparkly gown and in her orchestra it was just dope like the horn section my man on the drums um the guy on the piano just just everything about it was just funky like when she took her little intermission or whatever they kept playing music and it was it made you just feel good hearing that type of music it was it it was just like timeless music you know people still was up clapping and dancing even when she was off the stage and it just makes you miss that because when you hear music now you know we just hearing you know like a deep bass line hard drums and everything else is just so electronic you know it's just somebody sitting up on a drum machine you know tip tapping and all this other stuff and i just wish we would get out of this era of electric music and just go back to that funk you know using real you know instruments and and musicians you know just the whole band in the in the room recording with the artists you know or even recording the track separately i mean it was just it was just funky it was just dope it was just everything that it i mean that you could imagine and she just put on a damn good show so shout out to aretha you know the queen of soul and uh that was just it was just dope it was just dope amongst dope just pure uncut dope that's all i can really say about that and uh you know if you guys ever get a chance to see her or she's coming to your city you know to a town near you definitely you know go see it i would have paid top dollar just to see her you know perform and i got to see her for free so i mean shout out to you know everybody who put that on um to all the sponsors you know up there in sioux city um it was just great dope time and uh you know I'll, I'll definitely be looking out for her to come you know close again and i'll definitely you know pay top dollar to go see her all right so now let's talk about uh your boy bernie sanders we're gonna go ahead and put him up on that summer jam screen um we saw him last week um in a speech over at the mid-america uh, center over there in council tucky um aka council bluffs um yeah uh we got word about it uh i guess a couple days ago and my lady she went ahead and uh 
you know, made some reservations. She reserved some uh, some seats for us to go see him. Uh, and, and Bernie Sanders, he's uh, actually, you know, running for president. See, uh, he's running on the Democratic ticket. Um, he's a senator from Vermont. And uh, I went and seen him just to entertain it, see what he's talking about. I know he was an independent, and uh, I, I, I like independent candidates. You know, they're not tied to the red or the blue, and um, they don't really have that, you know, they don't have that mentality of, you know, putting their, their, um, their, uh, you know, their party before the people. So I went and saw, took a bunch of notes and, um, I, I was, I was kind of impressed. He was, uh, he's very, um, a very, uh, common sense guy. You know, everything that he said was just common damn sense. It wasn't a whole bunch of mumble jumbo you know government bullshit that he was kicking it was just common sense like you were just talking to uh somebody who was on the inside you know like it was like talking with a co-worker after hours you know off the clock how they really feel about things you know so i appreciated that about him and um so right now i'm just gonna go over some of these notes um that i took while uh, listening to this man speak uh, the first thing that he did um, was kind of smart. I mean, he's his whole thing is geared towards, you know, the middle class. But on top of that, he's geared towards, uh, you know, minorities and um, minorities, meaning anybody who's not a white man. Um, so first thing that he did, uh, he had a transgender woman introduce him, you know, and that was pretty much to get the uh, LGBT community on his side. Um, so I wasn't even mad at that. I seen what he was doing. And then um, he, he prides himself on truth. Um, he, his focus, like I said before, was on the middle class to working class. He actually said working class, which I appreciate because, you know, a lot of the times when people talk about the middle class, uh, candidates and things of that sort like hey we're gonna rebuild the middle class and all this other bullshit they leave out the working class the people living you know paycheck to paycheck and who gets taxed the highest so um he says that he can't do it himself uh, that he needs a movement behind him and uh so what he was meaning behind that was uh he said that he admired you know barack uh president obama i'm sorry uh grassroots campaign back in 08 um you know, but he said Barack, uh, President Obama made the mistake, you know, trying to negotiate with Republicans. You know, he kind of left the people behind and he tried to one man it in the White House. And I see I kind of saw what he was saying there. Um, you know, he kind of had the attitude uh, President Obama did like, hey, you guys got me here. Now let me do my job. But, you know, those Republicans, you know, in the House, they were they really wasn't having it. Um, so Bernie says he wants to give power to the people and the country shouldn't belong you know to a handful of billionaires um he really wants to challenge the billionaire class uh pass legislation that's more favor favorable to the working class and middle class families and um he he kind of had a plan well he didn't have a plan it was it was sort of like an outline to get to know him he really didn't go in depth on what he wanted to do to rebuild you know that middle class uh slash you know lower class working class people but he was saying that not enough Americans uh, know that they're living in the wealthiest country in the world um, due to not having enough money to put food on the table, you know, unaffordable health care and then mounds of student debt. And um, he just uh, 
told everybody to think big. So asked why new wealth is going to the top 1%. And he said he really wants to address the wealth gap between the top 1% and the working class. Um, one uh, instance that he gave was uh, just how the Waltons, who own Walmart, has these huge uh, tax breaks and they can, you know, kind of manipulate and control, you know, votes in the Senate uh, to help benefit them. Um, he wants to attack childhood poverty and um, America uh, should not be all about the top one percent. And he wants to uh, stop the uh, huge tax breaks for billionaires. And uh, when you're thinking about, you know, kids going hungry um, and then he's talking about how also these corporations and these people that own them are shutting down plants, you know, in the U.S. to send work to China, you know, um, to have them manufacture their products and things like that just so they can keep making more money. And then uh, he said a lot of these billionaires, which I didn't know, a lot of them are uh, hiding money in the Cayman Islands, you know, to cheat on their taxes, uh, which is fucking crazy i didn't even know that i knew they had all these politicians in their back pocket but i didn't know they had all these hidden accounts you know some in the caymans and other places you know just so and they're not reporting all their earnings and things of that sort so then he was talking about since uh 85 the working class slash middle class uh hard-earned money has gone to uh the one-tenth goes to about a tenth of the top one percent and then uh, he was saying that despite how we got this huge tech boom in the U.S., you know, with technology and everything, uh, the family median income has been down uh, five thousand dollars since 1999. And then he goes in uh, about the youth, which really got to me. He was talking about uh, real unemployment and he was saying that, you know, real unemployment you know, when the, they report the unemployment wages, they're really talking about people who are out there looking for work and who are receiving unemployment benefits. But as far as real unemployment, um, as far as the youth goes, uh, with white kids, it's at 17 percent. Hispanics is at 30 percent. And this is between the ages of 17 and 20. I don't know if I said that before. And then uh, black kids was at 51 uh, percent. So 51 percent of black kids, you know, out here are, uh, you know, unemployed. Um, and then he was then he kind of tied that into jail issues about how more people are in jail than any other country. And he's, you know, um, he said that the U.S. needs to stop investing in jails and uh, take that money to invest in education. Um, but I mean, it, he, I mean, he was saying all the right things, but he he just failed to really talk about capitalism and how America is a business and really not a country. I think he's trying to bring humanity back into it, but it just seems like an uphill struggle for him. But I mean, like he was, he was saying all the right things. He really got the crowd on his side when he's talking about that he really wanted to raise the minimum wage to $15 an hour at the federal level. And uh, he, he told a story about how he went and visited a uh, food bank. <clears throat> and he asked the person running, excuse me, running the food bank, you know, what percentage of people who come in here are actually working people and the guy running the food bank was you know honest he said about 90 percent you know of the people that come in there have jobs and are working but they're just living paycheck to paycheck and um that's just tough to, that's tough to think about because i know there's been times like when i was out on my own uh you know starting out <clears throat> and working and things like that i would definitely visit the food bank you know making minimum wage making you know bullshit ass you know seven dollars and a quarter um and then you know coming home to my apartment it ain't got nothing in the fridge and 
you know, either, you know, heading to my mom's or my grandma's house, you know, raiding their refrigerator or borrowing money from them because I didn't use my, you know, my two weeks, you know, worth of, you know, pay to pay part of my rent, just part of it, you know. So, and then, you know, I was going to food banks too, you know, to the point where they, you know, they knew me, you know. So I understood where that was coming from. So, I mean, that would definitely help out, you know, to raise the minimum wage on a federal level, you know, across the board. Um, and then um, he uh, went on to uh, talk about um, how he wanted to attack the notion of uh, the unequal pay, you know, between men and women. Um, you know, women in this country are making 70 cents on the dollar what a white male makes. Um, but he didn't really talk about like people of color because it's actually white women who make 78 cents per dollar compared to men. But black women, uh, Latino women, black men and Latino men are making even less than that 78 cents on the dollar. Um, but he, uh, you know, he gave Barack, uh, President Obama, uh, he commended him on uh, the time and a half for salaried, salaried workers making over $30,000 a year. You know, uh, uh, President Obama raised that for salaried workers. You know, if they go over 40 hours, they'll get time and a half. So that's that's pretty dope right there. Um, and then he uh, uh, kind of attacked Republicans, you know, uh, right wingers, you know, conservative folks are always, you know, talking about family values. Um, and I always said the same thing and always thought that they always talk about family values, but they always want to, you know, put restrictions on, you know, people's families that don't look like them. And so what he was saying was, you know, family values to a conservative mean that, you know, women should not control their own bodies. You know, so like contraceptives and things of that sort, you know, uh, women, you know, being raped, you know, not having the, the child, choosing not to have the child. And, you know, conservatives and some folks, you know, really want to make it to the point where, you know, that abortions are illegal and things of that sort. And um, excuse me. Then he went into, you know, talking about gay rights and, you know, how the uh, <clears throat> Supreme Court made the right decisions. You know, the crowd went crazy about that um, for gay rights and uh, gay marriage, I mean. And then uh, he kind of kind of mumbled on about some more things. Then he started talking about um, the paid uh, family medical leave and uh, why doesn't America approve of that? And uh, just how people are working so much and, you know, people are working so much but not being able to, you know, uh, have adequate you know time off request uh, pay time off you know uh family leave you know to uh uh basically you know uh he gave uh he gave a uh, story he told a story about um he gave an example i should say about a woman you know having a having a job where it was high paying and everything like that and she could afford you know to take you know maybe you know close to six months off to be with the child <clears throat> and then uh you know the husband could do the same thing if he had a high paying job but then he talked about you know the people living paycheck to paycheck and how it's only a few weeks you know to be with their newborn and then on top of that you're returning to work and trying to pay for you know daycare and things of that sort so he had so he he, he didn't really go in go in depth but he wanted to uh basically have a guarantee of paid sick leave and paid vacation for people that's working and um and he was just saying that family values you know should be the working class people you know having the time to stay home you know with their their newborn 
Cardinals. And then he was saying that uh, he wanted to have like 12 weeks of uh, family paid, you know, medical or sick leave. Um, and then uh, he wanted to do the whole, the solution was he actually gave a number as far as the vacation was uh, two weeks, you know, guaranteed. And then he went, he went in, he was sounding real house of cards like when he started talking about he wanted to uh, make a massive job program. Uh, he wanted to uh, basically his solution was the program would be like rebuilding the infrastructure. So more people, you know, working for the city and uh, working for the state as far as, you know, repairing the roads and uh, things of that sort, you know, putting people to work. Um, and he was saying that, uh, you know, other countries are tapping into America's job, which jobs which are like light manufacturing. Um, so taking the jobs away from Americans to make a profit from, you know, cheap slave labor, well, almost slave labor. And then he wanted to uh, take on Wall Street, you know, break up that financial financial institution. That's one of those things where I'm like, good luck, because, I mean, Wall Street is pretty much the backbone of this capitalistic society. So, I mean, you take that on. I mean, even, you know, President Obama couldn't, you know, tackle that demon. He just ended up, you know, giving money to all those crooks on Wall Street. Um, and then you had that whole Occupy Wall Street movement. But, I mean, what did that achieve besides people, you know, sitting in tents out on Wall Street, uh, making it inconvenient for stockbrokers, you know, to walk up some steps. So, I don't know. I said good luck on that. And uh, he said that we need a new uh, banking system, which is less selfish and non-law breaking. Again, good luck with that because, I mean, Wall Street and this banking system goes hand in hand. Uh, he also talked about voting. Uh, he wants a higher voter turnout. He wants the youth to come out and vote. Uh, and he wants to make voting a lot easier for people. Uh, you know, we had those voter registration rules or laws changed to make it more difficult for people to vote. You know, kind of going back to that old Jim Crow era. And then uh, he went back to talking about uh, um, education. So he uh, wants to have more affordable education, uh, public colleges. He wants to make those tuition free. Now, I don't understand how, you know, these public colleges would make money or, you know, have enough money to keep the doors open if the tuition was free. Um, maybe it'd be some kind of government grant or something, or maybe you would have to, you know, do some kind of work or something like that um, that would kick back, you know, to the college. <clears throat> and then uh, student debt, uh, which this is what I was on board with as far as uh people with uh, student loans he wanted to uh refinance the uh the debts which are you know they're about seven to ten percent interest uh he wanted to have give people the option to refinance you know the interest rates on their student loans you know like he would refinance a home loan which i thought was really dope right there um then he started talking about uh climate change um talking about how we need to stop depending on fossil fuels and then, you know, in a century, if we continue, you know, the moving the way that we are, you know, still depending on fossil fuels, um, we would uh, have a five to 10 degree, uh, you know, increase in our temperatures, you know, which will harm natural resources. And then he said, you know, uh, doing that, you know, natural resources would become scarce and that could lead to war. So, I mean, you kind of think about that, which is. Um, you see what's happening now, like the war in Iraq, you know, they claimed it was about 9-11, but, you know, a lot of us felt it was about, um, you know, oil, which is a natural resource. 
Um, so, I mean, you could, you know, see people, you know, fighting over water, you know, fresh water or things of that sort. And then um, he was saying that, you know, Republicans, you know, in the Senate, you know, are rejecting science. You know, this is science. It's been proven, but they're rejecting it just due to, uh, you know, them being in bed with uh, big business, you know, as far as uh, fossil fuel uh, companies goes. And then um, he went back to healthcare, uh, speaking on how America needs to learn from other countries, um, how millions of people are, you know, uninsured. Um, he wants to guarantee health care to all Americans, uh, spending so much on health care when so many are dying. You know, it's always it's, you know, companies, hospitals are going to make more money, you know, uh, not curing the disease but making more money just treating it you know just enough for you to feel a little bit better so you know if there was a there is probably a cure for cancer sitting in some lab frozen away you know in a deep freezer but you know there you know they can make you know hundreds of thousands of dollars off of one person you know for treatments so that's just something to think about and then he wanted to um uh, get issue some breaks for small businesses so they won't have to pay so much for health care. I know a lot of people out there have their own small business, you know, with a few employees and they just paying out the ass for health care. Um, and then, you know, Bernie was talking about he want people to work the job that they want and not the job that they hate, you know, and you stay at that job just because the benefits are good. I mean, there's a lot of us out there doing that. And then uh, Bernie kind of went into uh, talking about, you know, civil rights. Um, if you didn't know, uh, Bernie uh, was all about, you know, equal education for folks um, back in the 60s. Uh, he, uh, you know, marched on Washington with Dr. King um, and he did some other stuff for civil rights. So he was bringing up black rights, but it was real brief. Um, you know, when he talked about that, I think it was just me and my lady, the only people really clapping. I've seen a couple other brothers clapping, but that Iowa crowd, they weren't too clap happy about that, though. Then he went back to uh, talking about women's rights. The room kind of got a little louder. But boy, when he started talking about gay rights, that whole room erupted. So I think that's pretty much his mainstay right there. That's, that's his bread and butter is the, you know, the gay group. And there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, I mean, he brought up Charleston. Um, you know, it really it got kind of somber and quiet when he talked about that just briefly. And then he went on talking about sexism and homophobia. And then he was just, you know, appreciative, uh, saying that Barack Obama represented progress, but we still need to, you know, keep moving forward. Um, so, I mean, he seemed like a cool guy. I mean, for all these people, all of my people, black folks who are jumping on this Hillary Clinton train, you know, want to see the first woman president because we already seen the first black president. We're living in that era right now. I suggest you guys just kind of, you know, check Bernie Sanders out, you know, see what he's talking about, um, you know, see if it is for you. Uh, like I said before, he is an independent, but he's just running on a Democratic ticket. Um, so it, he's really not tied to a party. But, yeah, definitely check him out. And, you know, uh, what bothers me about the whole uh, Hillary Clinton crowd is, you know, folks are so gung ho to, you know, stand by her and things like that. But Hillary came up, you know, back when uh, I think she was fresh out of college. She was working for a conservative. 
back in the 60s or whatever when she was in college she was working for a conservative and we can't uh, forget you know a lot of our brothers and sisters are uh, suffering from those uh, three strike laws and that was introduced during the clinton era you know clinton wanted to uh bill wanted to show you know these republicans that he could be just as tough as them when it came to these laws and all this other bullshit so a lot of our people are struggling you know dealing with that three strikes law and you know doing some heavy ass time doing life just because of that bullshit ass three strikes law so i want y'all to really keep that in mind you know i mean everybody loves bill clinton oh he was the real first black president and all this just because he was on arsenio hall with some shades on playing the damn saxophone but y'all really just you have to go back and you know do your history so that's just something i want y'all guys to check out and like i said before in uh previous shows we gotta you know stop falling for the okie doke when these uh you know when election time is coming up and you know people uh coming to our communities you know talking about what they're going to do uh for minorities and all this other shit you know but minorities is a is a broad group we need to be more specific of what we demand from these people they'll you know you say hey what are you going to do to help black folks and then they'll start talking about minorities and you know what happens with that is mainly those benefits goes to uh, white women or latinos you know <clears throat> or some or somebody else that don't look like you so when they start kicking that rhetoric you have to bring them back in like hey what are you gonna do for black folks but like i said you know uh they start coming in here claiming to scratch it back you know you have to grease their palms we don't have to start you know <clears throat> getting these politicians in our back pocket start putting our money together and start writing these checks not just giving them uh cash donation forms you know filling out that you need uh, you need if you do that you know make sure it's a envelope form just so you'll have a paper trail you know when they start excuse me when they get to washington and they're not doing what they're supposed to do supposed to do then you'd be like hey you know you can go to the media and like hey you know i start you know i donated this much to this man's campaign or this woman's campaign and she promised to do this that and the third and she's turning out to be you know a fraud so just keep that in mind black folks when y'all going out here to vote when y'all out here at these rallies and and everything like that but i encourage y'all to participate in these rallies especially especially the ones that have like an open forum you know with like a q a and uh just bring your um bring your questions you know to the forefront like what are you going to do to help you know these these poor black communities um you know can we get some grants down here to you know rebuild you know some of these you know crumbling buildings down here in north omaha or in your area if you're not even in omaha you know uh in your part of town so that's just something to keep in mind um if another you know candidate you know comes close i'm gonna definitely go check them out you know i I believe uh i know hillary already been over to uh iowa or whatever she's not gonna come to nebraska don't know you know democrats come here i know uh, barack did uh, a few years back he came to the civic center but you know <clears throat> any candidate that comes you know i'll definitely check him out take some more notes for you guys so that's been bernie sanders up on that summer jam screen all right so selling hope like dope um i guess we gotta put uh maria sharapova up there um you know uh when uh serena faced her they were calling it a rivalry and this is why it's selling hope like dope um maria hasn't beaten uh serena in like 11 years since 04 and uh serena's beaten her 17 times in a row since then 
So just help me out. How is this a rivalry? Um, that's I don't know. That's just one of the weird things about it. Um, people are you know making excuses. Uh, you know even though Serena beat her, um, they're like, oh, but Serena still makes less money. But uh, Maria Sharapova is the uh, I think one of the high, is the highest paid female athlete just due to her endorsements. Um, and uh, I think she beat uh, beat out Serena by a couple million or something like that. Um, but you know. It, you know, people would say the same damn thing, you know, uh, if Serena was, you know, lighter, um, wasn't as uh, fit as she is, you know, and uh, more humble, you know, maybe she would have more endorsements, which is some bullshit. Like I said, she's probably one of the greatest athletes of our time. And uh, yeah, so Maria Sharapova is selling hope like dope, you know, shout out to her for hustling these endorsement deals, but she's gonna have to step up her tennis game. All right, so in hold this L news, the New York Times got to hold this L. We're still talking about tennis here, um, but on Twitter yesterday they, uh, you know, released an article on their website uh, via Twitter, um, and the caption says Serena Williams has a muscular frame. Her rivals choose not to emulate her physique, with a uh, quote from a um, from the coach of Agoniska Radawanska. Uh, his name is Tomas Wikotoroski, and he said it's our decision to uh, keep her talking about Agoniska as the smallest player in the top 10 because first of all she's a woman and she wants to be a woman now this whole article is basically talking about body image it's the most sexist shit I've ever seen um then it's just it's I feel like it's trying to you know bait you it's clickbait you know, and if you don't know what clickbait is, just look it up. It's basically having something, you know, uh, a title that's uh, controversial to get you to click on the link. And, you know, then that way they get paid from advertisers. But um, it was just talking about how um, some athletes in the sport of tennis choose to look more feminine and all this other bullshit. And uh, they're talking about it starts off talking about how Serena, how she can hide in public by wearing long sleeves, hiding those cut arms. But if I if if I'm mistaken, wasn't it back in the days when uh, your girl Demi Moore did uh, G.I. Jane and they were talking about how good she looked with those cut arms and stuff like that. But now you got a black woman dominating the sport who's in shape. And now it's, you know, now they're bringing to the forefront that these women in tennis like to look more feminine. I mean, Serena looks damn good. She looks great. She looks feminine. I mean, if you see her outside of those tennis clothes, you just like, oh, my. Like, it's one of those things where you just like, wow, she is beautiful. She has a great shape. So and then they start interviewing all these. Uh, they got quotes from all these dainty uh Athletes, uh, they got Sharapova, like I said before, in Selling Hope Like Dope. She's the highest paid female athlete. Um, she says, uh, you know, she has a quote, I always want to be skinnier with less cellulite. I think that's every girl's wish. Um, and then she said, uh, uh, she can't handle lifting more than five pounds. It's just annoying and it's just too much hard work. And for my sport, I feel like it's unnecessary. Now, of course, it's unnecessary if you don't want to lift any trophies. I mean, you just got your ass beat. I mean, you have a rivalry with somebody who's beat you 17 times. And the last time you beat that person, 
you know, was 11 years ago. So help me understand how not adding weights to your workout regimen is working out for you, Maria. And uh, fuck whoever wrote this article. Uh, so New York Times, y'all really got to hold this L. I mean, we're going to defend Serena, uh, you know, to the end. And I mean, you can keep hating it, but you're just going to have to accept it. So fuck Ben Rothenberg, who wrote this and fuck the New York Times. Y'all got to hold this L and chill out. All right. So moving on. Uh, to our last little segment uh, Thank you for rocking with me for so long I know this is a long show But hey, I hope y'all appreciate it um, Moving on to health over wealth I saw this video that my little cousin uh, Posted on uh, Facebook Shout out to Cameron um, He posted this video uh, From this sermon And it was about friendship And uh, and uh, basically I'm going to just give you guys The um, the three things that a true friend will do for you that I learned from this video and then I'll post the audio at the end of this podcast so it said a true friend will enter into your experience encourage you to endure and will not be envious of your elevation so really think about those three things a true friend will enter into your experience encourage you to endure and will not be envious of your elevation so really keep that in mind uh, continue to listen you know to this episode and i'll post that audio afterwards all right so that's been health over wealth you know your health is worth more than any dollar in the world all right so stay healthy out there keep a clear mind stay level-headed and keep fighting a good fight and follow me on twitter at omaha hostage and on ig at omaha hostage and um i'll get a facebook page up there uh, shortly and then also you know everybody with an eye device uh, which is pretty much everybody in my circle make sure you subscribe and uh you know stay tuned all right much love peace Pause real quick and give you a profile whereby you can evaluate and assess whether or not the people in your life are genuine friends. Because we're so quick to call everybody a friend. I'm going to give you a three-point checklist to help you to identify whether or not that person is really a friend. Can I give it to you real quick? Because a true friend, here it is, number one, here's the first point. A true friend, here it is, will enter into your experience. A true friend, a true friend, a true friend. Look at verse 16 again. It says, and Jonathan arose and went unto David in the woods. Jonathan left his, here it is, setting that was inhospitable. His setting, better yet, that was comfortable. And he went to a setting that was inhospitable. Jonathan is chilling in the palace. But he's willing to leave his contest of comfort to go stand with his friend who's in the woods because a true friend is not a friend, here it is, who stands in a long distance relationship in the sense that while I'm in the woods, they're talking about I'm praying for you. Now baby, I need you to do something more than pray for me. I need you to show up because a true friend will enter into the wilderness with you. I used to have a deacon at the church at uh, Elizabeth, and uh, he meant well. 
And uh, he, he would oftentimes make this statement. He said, but pastor, but pastor, I'm with you as long as you're right. But pastor, as long as you're right, I'm with you. I said, Nadeek, I mean no harm. But quite candidly, I really don't need you when I'm right. I mean, when, I, when I'm right, I'm, I'm good all by myself. I wonder, can you stand with me when my stuff get a little shaky? I, I want to know, can you stand with me? Here it is, when things get a little rocky. I'm not asking you to condone anything that I do, but don't condemn me. Can you, can you show up? Because you got a policy that Jesus does not even have. Even while we were yet sinners, he showed up. Anybody here can testify? He doesn't walk away from us when we are going through our difficulties. True friend, true friend will enter into your experience. If by chance, if by chance, you have a friend in your life that when they're going through, they expect you to stop everything you're doing, drop everything you have and show up. But then when you're going through, you can't find them. If by chance you have anyone like that in your life, I'm not recommending that you cut them, but I would highly suggest that you put a check mark by their name. Don't cut them just yet, but put a check mark, put a check mark. Because a true friend, a true friend, I'm talking about a true friend now, will enter into your experience. Here's the second, here's the second uh, principle. Here it is, a true friend, number two, here it is. When they show up, they will encourage you to endure. They would encourage you to endure. That's right there in verse number 16. And Jonathan, when he arose and went to David in the wilderness, the text says, and he encouraged him. He strengthened his hands in God. Because here's the problem. Here's the problem. Some people can show up, but when they show up, they bring their own disposition. By chance, have you ever had that experience in your life? You know, a friend will show up and you felt... Worse with their presence. I mean, for real. I mean, it's like, go home, go somewhere. Because you're being with me right now, you ain't helping me. Because when they show up, they're complaining. When, they're show, when they show up, they're pouring more grief off on you. See, so you got to be careful because some, some folks are like Job's friends. Remember Job's friends? They did show up. But when they showed up, all they could do was try to find what's wrong with Job. I don't need you to do a critical analysis of my life to tell me what's wrong with my life. All I need you to do is show up. And when you show up, encourage me to endure. I'm tired of folks always trying to act like they're the spiritual Dr. Fields. You want to show up and analyze everybody's life and tell them what's wrong with their life. Can you do me a favor? Hush. Just show up and encourage me. Now, if by chance you have a friend in your life who that when they show up, you get little to no encouragement. I'm not suggesting that you cut them. But I do highly recommend... Did you put a check mark by the name? Because that friend is a little suspect. Can I give you the last one? Can I give you the last one? Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. What's the third and final point in principle of a true friend? Look at what the text says. Here's the shouting part. Here's the crescendo in the symphony of scriptures here in chapter number 23. It's right there, verse number 17. It says, 
And he said unto him, that's Jonathan speaking, fear not, for the hand of my crazy daddy (laughs) shall not find thee. Here's the shouting part. Look at verse 17. And thou shalt be king over Israel. And Jonathan says, I love it. And I shall be next unto thee. He says, as a matter of fact, even my daddy, he knows it. Did, did you get it? Did you get it? Oh, you missed it. You missed it. Here it is because you didn't get happy. Jonathan shows up to David and says, I know you're in the wilderness, but you're not going to stay here always. Pull yourself together, David. Fear not. Maintain your spiritual swagger, David. Fear not. Because you shall be, hallelujah, the next king of Israel. And Jonathan says, and I'm not tripping. All I want to do is be next to you. Because a true friend, here it is, I'm about to get you right here. A true friend will not only enter into your experience, a true friend will not only encourage you to endure, but there it is, number three, a true friend is not envious of your elevation. They they, they ain't envious. They're not envious of your elevation. See, really, Jonathan has every right to be tripping because based upon kingdom protocol and based upon how a kingdom is supposed to operate by the principle of natural secession, Jonathan was supposed to be the next king. Saul is Jonathan's daddy. But Jonathan says, I know that God has already bypassed me and has already anointed you to be the next king. And Jonathan said, I ain't even tripping about it. A matter of fact, as long as I can get a chair right next to you, And see, Lord, deliver me from folks who cannot handle my elevation. Because you will find out who your real friends are when God starts taking you to a whole nother level. Some folks in your life can't handle where God is taking you. If by chance you got a friend in your life who every time when you get a promotion, when you get a new car, when you get a new handbag, they start tripping, I highly recommend cut them, cut them, cut them, just cut them, just let them, cut them, cut them, cut them, just let them go. They can't handle what God is doing in your life. You can't, you won't show up. When you show up, I don't feel any better. And then every time God bless me, you tripping. You need to go somewhere. Let let me help you with that. Because people will call you cocky and arrogant. People will call you cocky and arrogant. I'm not cocky. I'm not arrogant. I just believe... That everybody does not deserve to have a front row seat in my life. So sometimes you have to have an usher's ministry. You got to learn how to kindly escort them to the back row seat of your life. And you tell them, 
Now you just watch me from afar. Because you can't handle being this up close to me. Because if you're tripping over what God is doing in my life now, what are you going to do when he supersized me? What are you going to do when he blow me up? Tell him, child, you sitting over here tripping over this little hoop that I got right now. God is about to do something even greater than that.